Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to this week's Keeping an Eye on the Geopolitical Ball with me, Jamie Shea, Senior Fellow at uh, Friends of Europe. Now, uh, of course, uh, the media attention is overwhelmingly focused today uh, on the situation in Gaza and the uh, Middle East. So you may, uh, dear listeners, find it surprising that I'm going to talk today about something which is only going to happen in 12 months' time. Uh, the US presidential elections. But as we're going to be in November in just a couple of days' time, and the beginning of November is when traditionally uh, the US elections take place every four years, uh, I thought that it was high time that we started to focus on what these elections mean, both for the United States and for the uh, rest of the world. Because there's no doubt that what happens in America doesn't just impact on American voters for the next four years with the election of the president or the re-election of the president and the new Congress, but affects uh, all of us. Uh, and of course, uh, we would all love uh, to be able to vote in the American elections precisely because of this uh, global uh, impact. I have for a long time been an admirer of the United States, and, and I will remember uh, my first trip as a student to the US in 1973, at the height of the Watergate uh, affair, uh, and finally the uh, resignation of President Nixon, uh, who had impeded the inquiry uh, into the burglary of the Democratic uh, uh, headquarters in the Watergate building in Washington. And although this was traumatic for America, I was impressed by the resilience of the US institutions, uh, the Washington Post, the American media in bringing the story to light, uh, the Supreme Court, the Senate, and particularly the Judiciary Committee grilling all of Nixon's aides to get at the truth. The, the system with its checks and balances seem to have this amazing ability to regenerate and to heal itself. What a contrast, therefore, with the situation that we see today uh, in Washington. Uh, we've had now uh, many years of polarization, a divided Congress in which Democrats and Republicans uh, refuse to work uh, 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 with each other. Uh, but they increasingly refuse to work within their own parties, as we've seen recently with the gridlock over the election of a new House Speaker uh, in the House of Representatives, with a minority of Republicans insisting to have their way uh, and only wanting to bring forward Trump loyalist candidates who then fail to get uh, a majority. Uh, today, uh, there is a new candidate, Mike Johnson, uh, and we'll see if he has uh, any more success uh, than his uh, two uh, predecessors. We've had uh, years of Donald Trump challenging the legitimacy of US institutions, the US media, uh, and the uh, US Constitution, even to the point uh, of encouraging on January the 6th, two years ago, uh, an insurrection uh, uh, against the US uh, Congress uh, it, itself uh, as, 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 as well. Um, now, as we go to the elections uh, next year, uh, all of us probably are thinking, well, what can happen? What can be done to make sure that the November 2024 elections uh, are free and fair, uh, really debate the issues which are crucial uh, to uh, America in the future, put voters in front of their real responsibilities rather than dreams uh, and uh, illusions, uh, and can basically set America, like in 1973 after Watergate, on the path towards a democratic uh, regeneration uh, and revival. This is not just good for America, but it's also good for America preaching the virtues of democracy to the rest of the world too. 
So what should we look for? Well, in the first place, election interference. We all remember in 2016 uh, the evidence that came to light from American intelligence agencies and from congressional investigations regarding the interference of Russia uh, in the elections uh, in terms of uh, cyber attacks, uh, the use of trolls, the running of uh, disinformation uh, campaigns uh, and the uh, like. Uh, just last week, the State Department produced a report looking at election interference in nine different countries uh, around the uh, world. So it's going to be very important that the American government uh, today takes all of the measures to spot early on and to block that election interference as Russia, China and many other countries that don't have a healthy America as an objective see what they can do this time round to interfere uh, in an election campaign. The more polarised the campaign, obviously the more uh, the easier it is for election interference to take hold. The second thing is election denial. I think all of us were depressed last time round with the way in which Trump and many of his Republican loyalists denied the obvious victory and the rather impressive victory, at least in the popular vote, of Joe Biden, tried to intimidate election officials the state uh, uh, attorney general of Georgia, for example, including with uh, death threats um, and the uh, attempts by Trump to uh, suppress certain votes uh, and to find fictitious votes uh, elsewhere. It didn't succeed last time, but the extent of the attempts, at least by President Trump, to overturn the election and the support that he got from media like Fox News uh, is a worrying cry. Uh, and uh, it's going to be very important that we don't have a repeat of that in 2024. What do we need? Well, we need, of course, heavier fines uh, on the media, uh, which peddle uh, false election claims. Fox News uh, was taken to court and had to pay hundreds of millions of dollars uh, for lying about the efficiency of American voting machines. But it was the company involved that took uh, Fox to court, not the United States government I itself. We need to have more stringent laws uh, about inc inc incitation to violence, for example, or, or peddling uh, rumors and false uh, news as if they were true. The First Amendment of the United States, which permits freedom of speech, sounds great in theory, but it goes uh, it falls short when it comes to allowing uh, this kind of incitation uh, to violence in a more general sense, to go uh, un, uh, uh, punished, uh, for instance, uh, as as well. Uh, we've got to have security uh, uh, around uh, election uh, counting sites and protection for election officials and so on and, and so forth. The third thing is the, the United States, particularly the Biden administration, has to get out the vote. Uh, in Poland a few days ago, 74% of the population turned out uh, uh, to vote largely for pro-EU moderate parties uh, led by uh, Donald uh, Tusk. Now, 74% is impossible in a US presidential election. Sometimes you're lucky to get 45% or 50%. Half the population don't bother to vote. But what happened in Poland is that the opposition convinced polls that these elections were important. They weren't just average elections. They were turning points in terms of deciding the future of the country. Somehow, the Biden administration, when it comes to groups that traditionally don't vote very much, like the black voters, has got to do a better job of mobilizing the democratic vote. The majority of views in the country has to be the majority of views reflected in the future American government, and not a situation where the minority of views, uh, because people are mobilized, ends up 
up actually becoming the majority in government. The fourth thing is that the Biden administration has got to run a savvy election campaign when it comes to Donald Trump. All of the evidence is that simply criticizing Trump's personality, you know, pointing out all of the reasons why he's unfit to be president, to, you know, uh, the lies, uh, for example, uh, the 90 odd uh, charges in various American courts which are currently against him. That strategy might work in another democracy, but it doesn't work in the United States, where Trump supporters see him as an almost cult figure beyond criticism. On the other hand, pointing out that Trump has never or almost never kept any of his electoral promises uh, might be more successful. For example, did he build the wall with Mexico? Did he stop illegal migration? Uh, did he uh, uh, get a better trading relationship with uh, China? Did he get a better nuclear agreement with uh, Iran when he tore up the existing one? Did he do much for the poor American voter when his tax cuts overwhelmingly favoured the rich? Did he take climate change seriously? Uh, did he do a good job of rolling out a COVID-19 vaccine? So comparing Trump's promises with his record may be a savvier strategy, but the Democrats have got one shot at this and they've got to get it right. The next thing is it might be a good thing if at least the elections can produce divided government. I know this may sound contradictory as we like efficient government, but if you're going to have a populist back in command in the White House, not having him control the Senate and the House of Representatives uh, is at least a start. The Democrats today control the Senate. They lost the House of Representatives in the midterm election. But if at least they can keep control of one of the houses to ensure some kind of check and balance, that would be a good start. Finally, if there's gridlock government in Washington, dear listeners, it's very important that the individual American states 50 of them, take on individual responsibility to push a positive agenda forward. California has been doing this in terms of fighting climate change, setting more stringent standards than the federal government for vehicle emissions, pushing electronic vehicles, greening the economy, dealing with its illegal migration issues and so on. New York has tried to do the same, uh, signing international trade agreements, uh, uh, for instance. Uh, this shows another side of the United States. Now, uh, states have got uh, certain responsibilities within the US Constitution. Of course, I'm not saying that they should completely ignore the federal government, but they need to use the margin of maneuver that they do have uh, to keep a positive agenda going and to prevent backsliding uh, on things, for example, like uh, fighting uh, climate change or greening the American economy or switching to the economies of the future or drilling for fossil fuels or, or whatever it's going to uh, be. So, uh, dear listeners, uh, it's 12 months away, but already we are on the ticking clock, the countdown to the US elections, which are going to be very important for all of us. Now, we outside the United States have limited influence on the choices of the American voter. But European experience, particularly the Polish elections, which I referred to, show that with a savvy campaign, a united opposition, a good platform, good leadership and ability to mobilize voters, populists can be defeated. We can only hope that the lessons for Europe will be heeded by Democrats in the United States and that 2024, like in Poland, will be a success story for democracy, not another deep reverse into the abyss. Thank you for listening today. I look forward to engaging with you next time. Bye for now.